0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This podcast is a part of the Podmania podcasting network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings, and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. To the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things world-wondering stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Gooden. I'm joined as ever by Matt Turner. Matt, how are you on this exhausting week of stardom wrestling?
1: I'm doing okay. I kind of just kind of want to get this out of the way. I hope we don't make this uh, an every week thing, but Last week, he talked about Neil Adams' passing. This week, George Perez passed, an absolute icon in the comic world. Uh, If you're not familiar with George's work, he was the artist on some of the most important stories in comics ever. Uh, He was the artist on Infinity Gauntlet, which a lot of the MCU is based off of. Uh, He was the artist on Justice League vs. Avengers. He was the artist on uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Him and Kurt Busiek had a phenomenal run on Avengers. And uh, my all-time favorite Wonder Woman run is uh, is George Perez's run. And not only did he pencil it, but he also skipped it as well. So George was one of the very few people that was an A-plus writer and an A-plus artist as well. And for me, Rob, on a personal level, I'm very grateful that I've been to so many different Comic-Cons. And I met so many different um, and wonderful creators. And George was by far the nicest. And he was the most fan-friendly. So farewell sir and thank you for all your hard work but other than that rob i am fantastic how was your weekend my friend
0: it was good man didn't do a great deal um my soccer team got thrashed 5-0 by top of the league so that was uh moderately depressing but aside from that sort of wrapping up at school heading towards the summer so uh it's summer vibes we've started to get some warmer weather some nicer weather so yeah i can't complain mate i can't complain now i saw that you achieved now am i right in saying your first successful title defense over the weekend
1: yeah that was v1 i actually had a really uh it was a busy but interesting weekend i saw dr strange not once but twice all within a 24-hour period so uh so that was fun and then that was thursday and friday and then saturday yes i had a uh a title defense against a young an and upper coming snapper, dyson bennett who's a really good kid super athletic there's a lot of cool spots that I was able to do with him just because based off his uh, athleticism. Uh, so that was really, really good. That was really good. I thought the uh, the match went really well. But um, to be perfectly honest with you, Sarah, the main thing you want to do, and we talk about it all the time in the podcast, is you want to be able to get the crowd in an absolute frenzy. And the crowd really didn't... I thought in my head for all the things we were doing and like the timing and the selling, that we'd have the crowd in a frenzy. And uh, they, they kind of really didn't care. And then afterwards, my dad and my cousin were both at the show, and they're like, yeah, they didn't react to anything. Like, they could have had, somebody could have set themselves on fire in the ring, and they wouldn't have cared. So I guess that made me feel a little bit better, but I kind of like to be the exception exception to the rule. But all in all, the match was fun. The finish saw me hit the Arisha Hoshiki-style knee, which I've been practicing quite a bit, because I think that's, like, the coolest move since the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat armbar. Uh, I hit that knee into a... Uh, catch wrestling takedown into the uh, double wrist lock which is my go-to so i got the tap out win and i was able to keep the gold and speaking of the gold mr rob goodwin (laughs) we're gonna we're here to talk about golden week here for stardom
0: we are indeed and we are going to preface that by saying yes we know there have been multiple dates on the golden week tour but unfortunately as of recording um they'd only got the first week the first day up um so obviously you know we know that it's been an incredibly busy week for Sonny. Hashtag pray for Sonny. Um, so, we, obviously, we can only really talk about the first night and then the pay-per-view. But what we'll do is we'll fire through the results to the opening three nights, and then we'll go through the pay-per-view, the Fukuoka um, Goddess Festival show. um, And then... We'll be returning later on the week, and we'll talk about the remaining dates then and anything that we miss out from those opening nights as well. Um, But first, a little bit of news, and this first bit comes courtesy of the Wrestling Observer. Uh, We always love a bit of fantasy booking and a little forbidden door nonsense, so uh, this comes from the Observer, and it reads thus... Regarding stardom in AEW, and right now there is nothing to the story past what was written last week, the key interest from stardom is not Britt Baker, nor Thunder Rosa, even though they are AEW's biggest women stars, as well as Jade Cargill. But the ones stardom are most interested in for big shows are Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, Hikaru Shida, and Tay Conti. In particular, Julia has said she wants to work with Conti because Conti publicly said she wanted to work with Julia. Stardom would also have an interest in working with WWE if that were to be possible. A year ago, I'd have said that was impossible, but Nick Khan did try and set something up with New Japan last year. Today, it's hard, it's hard to know, uh, but it would benefit both AEW and WWE also to send younger talent to work in Stardom because they get regular work in front of crowds and work with experienced women. The negative is WWE wants to teach a specific style and they never worked in sending young talent to Japan. Um, so let's break that down a little bit, because there's a lot that Dave has said in the old Wrestling Observer. The first thing, um, are you surprised in any way that were there to be a relationship struck up between AEW and Stardom that Britt Baker, North Under Rosa, or Jade Cargill, the three biggest women on AEW, according to Dave, aren't being targeted by Stardom?
1: Well, I think Jade Cargill... Yes, I mean, yeah she is a big star but I think she might be a little bit too green to go over to stardom. Uh, then again I mean that's I, I kind of, I'm gonna kind of bite my tongue on that one. Considering the fact that there's people that have wrestled in stardom at age 14, 15, and 16. What do I know? Uh, Thunder Rosa, from what I understand from some of the people that I know in AEW, does not have kind words for stardom. So I'm not surprised there. Uh, Britt Baker is obviously yeah she's a huge star and I think they would both benefit for that. Uh, Britt Baker is very good in the ring. I wouldn't say she maybe touches the great needle every now and again. Obviously, she gets over on her character. She is the one of the most over characters uh, in AEW. So I think she would benefit from a stardom run, run you know, quite a bit. But the names that they are interested in, yeah, I mean, I think Tony Storm would obviously be at top of the list. I mean, how can you not, considering the fact of all of the uh, accolades uh, she, uh, she achieved in stardom. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised that they're kind of, the, the they're kind of three biggest push people. They're like, yeah, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Here are the here's the core, you know, four or five we want. So I I can see their point of view there for basically what the stardom mold is, you know, right now, you know, present day twenty twenty two.
0: Yeah, and Jamie Hater, I really enjoyed Jamie's work when she was in stardom, and I would be very, very happy to see her back in stardom. Hikaru Shida, be very, very happy to see her wrestling the likes of Maywe Watani, wrestling Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Utami. They'd be great matches. Takeonte, we spoke about a little bit last week when it came out that Julia wanted to wrestle Takeonte and made it publicly clear in uh, the monthly um issue eight, which is out now uh, in that Q&A. She said that Take On was one in particular that she'd like to work with. Um, what I was most interested to see here or to read here, should I say, is Stardom would also have interest in working with WWE if that were to be possible now, I saw this on Twitter, and I saw a lot of negative discourse around that possible relationship um and you know it's it doesn't go unjust i mean w w e s booking is uh is notoriously poor um but the idea of using stardom to train up some of the i don't know people in n x t or even you know sending over the bit the odd big name would be it can't be bad it can't be anything but a positive um what's your opinion on this
1: yeah i think the wwe relationship i mean i think that they're especially their core you know top of their division is actually as far as in ring goes actually better than AEW. you know the sasha banks the baileys the charlottes I, uh, the Bianca Belair, who's is absolutely fantastic in the ring, I think the WWE Women's Division is absolutely fantastic. And I understand, you know, the booking and sometimes the way they treat they treat foreigners. I mean, look what they did with poor Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, how do you, how do you mess that guy up? And you're, we're all still kind of waiting to see what they're going to do with Io Shirai. But then again, on the flip side, they've really treated Asuka so well. But I think it would be kind of funny, Rob, that and I think you'll probably get a kick out of this is sometimes they don't really know anything outside of their own product. So I can see them be like, all right, we're going to bring, you know, we'll 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 send some of our girls over to stardom. And in return, some of the stardom girls will come over here. And I could see like Mayu Iwatani showing up on like a, a raw that Io Shirai is just sitting and catering. They'll be like, uh, well, you know, Io is from Japan and Mayu's in from Japan. We'll just give them 11 minutes on Ra and ha- let them go at it. <laughs> And then they go and have like the best match ever on RAW. Like they probably wouldn't know. Like oh, they're both in the same country. Yeah, they'll have a good match. And little did they know they've had like three of the best women's <laughs> matches of all time. I could totally see that happen. Like, Yeah, you guys got nine, ten minutes. Like no problem. We're <laughs> doing we're dra- doing dragon suplexes on the aprons.
0: <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I can I can see why, as I said before, it's got a little bit of a negative reception, especially because you know. I think Shane Nakamura is is the big one you know that the lack of ability apparently to treat foreign stars well um but that last line in Dave's in Dave's piece um WWE wants to teach a specific style and that style is incredibly different to the style that stardom have so to send talent over to stardom to, you know, get in ring reps, which we talk about all the time on this podcast, is so, so important. You know, to then train them in one specific way, you know, have them wrestle a certain way in stardom and then come back and then have it trained out of them is it is sort of counterproductive. So unless you are willing to send over a Sasha Banks who has, you know, very publicly said she'd love to wrestle in stardom, um, I don't really see I don't know. I don't really see it happening, if I'm being brutally honest. I think WWE is uh is concerned with WWE and anything apart from that is uh is nothing but speculation. But again, if it happens, it happens. Um a little fact again from Armani Shoe Exchange. We're going to have to do a little segment where we do Armani Shoe Exchange's Fact of the Week. So Armani, if you're listening, please give us a fact every week and we'll feature it in a segment. Um, but they put on Twitter, actually, some fun stardom pay-per-view stats. So are you ready for this, Matt? Um, I love stats. Love stats. I know you do. I know you love stats. So last week, Suri became the first in the company to appear in 10 pay-per-view main events. She had been tied previously with someone at nine. Who do you think was at nine?
1: Nine main events for stardom? For pay-per-views in stardom? Mm, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Tommy. Correct. Well done. Wow. I just think because they've been running a lot of pay-per-views the last year and a half. And you, Tommy's been the ace the last year and a half. So that's how I did that, folks. I didn't even need to go to the book, <laughs> "Living the Dream," starting <laughs> the tenth anniversary interview by my good friend
0: Rob Goodwin. Boom! How about that for a how about that for a plug? Unbelievable! It's getting to the point now where you appear to be taking yourself by surprise when they come along. <laughs>
1: that's what it's all about man. I'm I'm working myself into a shoot, brother.
0: <laughs> um. Also. After the pay-per-view, there are two people tied in third place with five pay-per-view main events. So, Suri is now top with 10. Utami is second with nine. There are two women tied in third place with five pay-per-view main events. Matt, can you guess who they are?
1: Mayu and Julia.
0: Mayu is correct. Julia is not. I'll give you like a guess. I will give you one more guess. May you correct? Oh, well,
1: Ah, uh, let's go with. I want to go with Himika. It's Micah. Oh
0: wow! Yeah, how about that? That's a wild stat. That is a great stat, isn't it? And absolutely fantastic for Micah, who. But effectively was, you know, a super rookie when she first came into stardom. And to be at the point now where she's she's main evented five shows, five pay-per-view shows for stardom is is phenomenal. And, you know, we're going to talk about it later. At That pay-per-view, her and Sayaka Amitani put on an absolutely incredible match. So the improvement is incredible. And that that entrance, that entrance alone, what a star. Um Let's move on. Let's start having a look at some of these Golden Week shows. Now, later on in the tour on the 7th and 8th, which, as we record, have already happened, but of course, we haven't got the shows up yet. There are certain title matches, certain singles matches and things like that. But for the most part, these opening three days have been multi-woman tags. But we'll go through the results anyway, and especially for this first now, which me and uh, which me and Matt have both seen. We'll go through little bits from each match that we think we need to talk about. So, um, Stardom Golden Week Fight Tour 2022 Night 1 from May the 1st, 2022 from Fukuyama Industrial Exchange Center Big Rose in Hiroshima in front of a sellout 590 people. Um. So- so, the results. Match one saw Tekla defeat Momo Kogo with the DDD in 5 minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, match two was a tag team match the Uedatai team of Luwaka and Starlight Kid defeating the Queen's Quest team of Azumi and Hina with the Moonsault in 8 minutes and 6 seconds. Uh, match three was a 10 woman tag with the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia, Himika, Mike and Natsupuyo and Mei Sakurai defeating the stars team of Mayu Iwitani, Hazuki, Kogama, Hanan and Saya Ida with the backdrop driver in 10 minutes and 38 seconds. Match 4, a six-woman tag team match, the Uedatai team of Moma Watanabe, Rina and Saki Kashima defeating the Queen's Quest team of Utami Hayashista, Saya Kamatani and and Lady C with the Kish Kasai. And finally, match five, our main event, the Konami return match, an eight-woman tag. The God's Eye team of Suri, Mirai, Ami and Konami defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tamnakano, Yanagi Sayaka, Mina Shirakawa, and Waka Sukiyama, when Konami submitted Waka with the Triangle Lancer in 19 minutes and 40 seconds. So, Matt... What would you like to talk about in regard to this show?
1: I would just like to briefly hit upon match number three of the Stars team versus DDM. I thought this was really, really solid. And I thought it was, it seems like all these Stars matches, they always start out with uh, the dancing bear. And literally, my first note is nobody wants part of the bear. Like, she's doing the ba- dancing bear gimmick. It's almost like as if, like, Kagama is lava. Like, nobody, like, everybody gets off the apron. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was a cool little, because, like, you're going to have your comedy to start, and, you know, you get a little haha, and then, you know, it's going to get ramped up. Uh, Mayu and Julia's chemistry, and we've seen it before. They had that 30 minute draw just a couple months ago. I mean, their chemistry was really, really solid here. They had some really cool spots. I'm a big fan of, you know, when the timing is right and when the, uh, when the ring positioning is right and sometimes it's really hard to do is that five-way boot scrape because you have anytime you have more than one person running off the same part of the ropes if you're off just by a little bit or if the speed is off just by a little bit you're going to launch the other person like into like they may go a little bit faster and they may kind of throw their timing off and the timing was off a little but for five people i just thought that was uh, that was super impressive but i thought um that was really good. And then of course, always when you get Mike or Himmick in a match, you're going to get Lariats and then Lariat Sandwiches all around. But I thought that match was, was really, really solid, uh, you know, for, 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 for this match going into, uh, to start up golden week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's of these five matches, there's two that I'd recommend you actually go out of your way to go and see. And it's the main event for obvious reasons, which we'll talk about later. And then this match as well, because I feel stars are at a place at the moment where they've got such momentum that they didn't have before and whether that's the reintroduction of, you know, they've actually got a healthy size of uh, of unit now as opposed to just the three of them when uh, everyone was leaving. But the entire chemistry between Mayu and Saida, back, Hazuki and Koguma, it just seems like it's a good place to be and they're in a very good place. Donna Del Mondo, though, May Sakurai in this match did very, very well and was highlighted for significant portions, just like she was on the pay-per-view but overall a really 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 fun match it's always fun to watch julia and may weber beat the living daylights out of each other and for 10 minutes just under 11 it was a really good fun match to go and check out what did you give him that three and a half stars exactly the same as me then three and a half stars again worth your time for 11 minutes go and check it out um and then of course i assume you're now going to talk about the main event are you
1: yeah, I thought the man and I kind of want to get your take on it. Uh, how do you think Konami looked on her on her return? Do you think she looked a little bit rusty? And uh, the reason why I'm at, you know, or do you think she looked in place? The reason why I'm asking that is because we talked all the time, not only you know via text message, and obviously when we're doing the podcast. Like when Konami was getting ready to wrap it up, she was having like phenomenal match after phenomenal match, and then basically her final match with Julia, the you know the unofficial Hanakamura uh, Memorial match. I thought that was fantastic. And then we were kind of like, you know, why is she taking time off? She looks so good. She's in shape. You know, she's at the top of her game. So, you know, going into that and then we've seen her on social media that she's back, you know, practicing Jiu Jitsu or maybe she never even stopped. She was just posting a lot of pictures. So that's why we kind of weren't surprised that she was, that she was going to come back. But, uh, you know, before I get into my take, how do you think that she looked here on a return match?
0: Um, look, it's, it's an eight woman tag. Um, should they introduce her slowly which is which is wise because you know no matter how good a shape you're keeping yourself in there's still you know what five months or just under of um of time away from the ring i didn't think she looked bad at all i she looked a tad slow i thought but other than that i thought she did tremendously well um what about you it, am i getting the sense that you don't think that
1: no, I'm on board with you. I didn't. By no means I think she looked bad. Like, if you've never seen Konami wrestle before or only seen maybe a couple of her matches and you saw this, you're like, oh, yeah, she's really, really good. But um, watching her as much as uh, me and you have, you know, throughout, uh, you know, the years and whatnot is that, well, I mean, just, you know, the, uh, the time that we've been watching Stardom and then her last handful of matches. She seemed like she was a little bit off. Her kicks seemed, I mean, they were in there. They were snug, but nowhere near as they were before. She seemed just a, maybe a little bit resting, a little bit of her timing was off. Uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of almost spot on on you with that one on that one, brother, that uh, it, it, she didn't look bad, but she was just seemed a little bit off, which we'll, when we talk about the pay-per-view, I thought that she uh, she was on. She was, she was pretty well spot on when it came to the pay-per-view. And I think everybody in the world predicted this is was gonna be the finish, the uh, the triangle answer onto poor Waka. I don't think anybody <laughs> I don't think there were too many too many people that were shocked, like, oh wow, that's what they were going for, didn't see that one coming.
0: No, I it was the right call, especially as we are in Konami's hometown. Um, I thought overall the match was really fun. Um I'm enjoying Cosmic Angels more and more and more, and again, two thousand and twenty-one Rob would not have said that. Um but God's eye there's just something about this team of Suri, Mirai, and Amisuri especially, that just feels special. They've, they've gelled so phenomenally. They feel like they've been a team for years, Matt.
1: Yeah, they almost feel like Queen's Quest, you know, seven, eight months ago, you know, when it was Azumi, Saya, Utami as a champion and Momo as the leader and one of the best wrestlers in the world. I mean, it does feel absolutely special. And, you know, depending on what happens with Konami, uh, hopefully she stays on you know, a little bit more than this, this, I know she was just, just for golden week only, but then again, you know, you kind of get the taste back again, you know, who knows if she's going to get, she's going to get the itch, you know, to come back full time. But if they put her on as the fourth member, yeah, this is like, you know, where queen's quest was, you know, a year ago, just absolute loaded roster our loaded a uh, faction. And I haven't seen, I didn't, haven't seen anything of Amy. Sorry. Up until she came in to start and I'm completely blown away just by how good she is.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And, Again, you mention it being very similar to Queen's Quest. I've got such early incarnation of DDM vibes because there was no weak member of DDM. You know, the initial trio of Julius, Siori, Mika, And then you add Himika to that as well. There's no weak link, and that's how it feels here. Sure, experience-wise, perhaps Amisuri is the weak link, and she'll probably take any of the pins that God's Eye eventually take because they still haven't taken any losing pinfalls. But... I still think there is just something special about them. And don't get me wrong, Stardom are going to do what Stardom always do, and I'm sure they will at some point get the artist of Stardom Championships, because that is what Stardom tend to do with new heart factions. But at the moment, they feel like the force to be reckoned with. They're on top of almost every single show on this Golden Week tour. So Stardom are fully... Fully behind them. In terms of this match, it's a great eight-woman tag. I gave it three and a half. Same as the uh, as the Stars vs. DDM match, Matt.
1: Same as you, my man. As on, on point, again, half a world away, but so in sync.
0: <laughs> um, what we're going to do is then, as I said before, I'm just going to fire through the results for the next two nights of Golden Week because they weren't as we were recording they weren't uploaded to Stardom World anything we miss any important details we miss we'll circle back and cover when we come back to you later this week so Stardom Golden Week Fight Tour 2022 Night 2 from May 3rd 2022 from Nagasaki Prefectural Gymnasium in front of 188 people so we had a tag match with Ruwaka and Saki Kashima defeating Koguma and Hanan with Ruwaka getting a pinfall win over the Future of Stardom champion Hannon with the Freezer Bomb. Very important for what we're going to talk about later. Um, A tag team match with the Donna Dalmundo team of Nat and Himika defeating the Queen's Quest team of Lady C and Azumi with Himika pinning Lady C with the JP Coaster. Um, We have also got a... A six-woman tag team match going to a time limit draw, unsurprisingly, with the Oeretai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, and Rina, and the Queen's Quest team of Sayaka Matani, Yutami Hayashista, and Hina. Um the there's an eight woman tag as well with the donna Donna mondo team of Julia, Micah, Tekla, and Mei Sakurai defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakawa, Yunagi Sayaka and Waka Tsukiyama, this time Mika pinning Waka with the en- Enka Toshi, And then finally, in your main event, it is God's Eye in an eight-woman tag again, defeating the stars team of Saya Ida, Mayu Iwatani, um, Koguma and Hazuki, with Mirai getting the winning pinfall with a lariat over Saya in 21 minutes and 5 seconds. Matt, what about your opinions of those results?
1: Again, that's a heck of a visual, is that is uh Sayita Kabashi eating the uh, the big Lariat from Marat. You know, we talked about just a few seconds ago about the impressive visual of Lady C eating a brain buster. That's jeez, that's another finish I'm interested to see because you know how Marat builds to that uh builds to that Lariat. And for, for Saida, for as hard as she hits everybody. She has no problem taking it back, so she's really good at feeding for uh, for big blows. And Mariah does throw a heck of a left-handed lariat. So I'm interested to see not only that match, but that finish as well. It's, it's uh, you know, once these things get uploaded to Stardom World, I I will be there with pen and paper, ready to take notes. So uh, again, all those matches, they they all seem solid. But again, it's it's multiple. It seems like it's it's a lot of uh, you know tag matches, you know, uh, tag, uh, six person, eight person tag matches but it all all seems pretty solid, all seems pretty solid and uh, I'm, once it comes to uploaded on on the old stardom world uh, we'll give her give her a see.
0: um so we'll move on to the third night sorry of the golden week fight tour so this was in Nagasaki. Uh, sorry, no, it wasn't. What am I talking about today? Um, it was in the Kumamoto City Distribution Information Centre in Kumamoto, May 4th, 2022, in front of the sellout, 270 people. Match one, singles match with Rina defeating Hina with the Pink Devil in seven minutes and five seconds. Uh, match two tag team match, the Donna Del Mondo team of Tekla and Natsupoy defeating the stars team of Momo Kogo and Hannan with the fairing ring in eight minutes and six seconds. Match three was an eight-woman tag team match. The Donna Del Mondo team of Julia, Himika, Mika, and Mei Sakurai defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tamnakano, Inaga Mina Shirakawa, and Wakasukiyama, with Julia's woefully underutilized uh, submission move, the Stealth Viper, in 12 minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, match four saw the Rossio Gawa time limit draw, the eight-woman tag match, the Ueditai team of Momo Watanabe, Ruwaka, Starlight, and Saki Kashima, and the team of stars Mayu Watani, Hazuki Kogama and Saya Ida going to 15 minutes and then match five God's Eye once again getting the win with the team of Suri, Mirai, Amisuri and Konami defeating the Queen's quest team of Yutami, Hayashista Saya Kamatani, Azumi and Lady C with Amisori pinning Lady C with a brain buster in 17 minutes and 46 seconds I know that neither of us have seen this map but Jesus Christ, getting Lady C up for a brain buster is bloody impressive
1: Literally, I'm just because I don't know any of these results, so I'm literally thinking in my head like, "Wow, that's a heck! That's a heck of a visual." I mean, Amy Sora, she's a uh, she's no small, she's no Azumi or you know Rena or Hina by any means, but Lady C is a tall lady. <laughs> I know me. I shared that picture of you with Lady C with the giant Baba statue to let you know that she takes giant Baba's moves. That's the great, not the great Kali. That's another story for another day. We could do a, a whole podcast on that. But yeah, that's a heck of that's a heck of a. I can't wait to see that finish because that's a heck of a visual. Her picking up Lady C with those long legs for that brain buster. I'm sure it looked really, really cool. I mean, that's, I guess if you're putting that match together and we're like, yeah, we want Amy Sori over, you know, Lady C because she's the, you know, lack of a better term, the pin eater on the Queen's Quest team. That's a heck of a way to finish that match.
0: Absolutely. So with that, we'll move on to the sort of main event of this podcast, which is the review of the Stardom at Fukuoka Goddess Festival pay-per-view, which took place on May 5th, 2022 from the Fukuoka International Centre in Fukuoka in front of 1,156 people. The first time Stardom have run the venue. Uh, We opened with a singles match with Hina Hina defeating Waka Tsukiyama with the power body buster in 6 minutes and 25 seconds. Now, Matt, I unashamedly bit on two of these near falls. I genuinely thought Waka had broken her duck here.
1: You're doing a really good job. She gets, like, closer. Like, it's almost like every show or, like, one show during the week, she get, like, a 2.98 and then, like, a 2.9. And then a two point nine nine this one she had two two point nine 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 I mean it was so close, and you can see the frustration like when she had that last one like she's just like, no, that, that was three, that was three it's like you just your heart just breaks for her, and a match that when like six minutes long, you're just so invested to get that three count. And uh, or for her to get the three count, I think we all know what's going to happen against Mae Sakurai. I think that's what they're building towards, and that's okay. Like I think that's when you're going to get the most out of that first pinfall is against uh, you know our old tag partner in Cosmic Angels. That's the whole build. Like I, we're pretty sure that's where they're going, and that's really what we want to see. And again, again, we talk about it every week, my man. Just, she has zero wins, and it, her storyline is the one of the most interesting all in Stardom. So I mean, good on her on playing that role, but I thought Hina uh, looked really, really good here. And they gave it a good, you know, solid you know, handful of minutes, a lot of basic stuff. Uh everything made sense. They you know, they kept it simple. And this one got the gentleman's uh three stars for me. Uh great work by the by both these ladies.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a good owner. I thought Hina looked really good. Um Wakasuki Armor again, you've I'm gonna echo what you said. She's the most endearing babyface, perhaps, on the entire roster. And the more she loses, the more you do find yourself desperately wanting her to win. And like I say, that investment in this storyline forced me to bite on two pinfalls to the point where I went, oh, thinking she'd won. And uh, I was gutted when I found out she hadn't. But even so, there's plenty of time for Waka. I gave it three and a quarter. I really, really, really did enjoy this opening. Did you really make that noise? Uh like you like it was slightly it was slightly louder, but I'm very conscious of not wanting to <laughs> deafen our listeners, so uh <laughs> um we then got a video package to inform us of another stardom pay-per-view that will be taking place. This time, Stardom Midsummer Champions 2022, announced for the 9th of July at the Takikawa stage. Garden. This was the venue where the opening round of the Cinderella tournament was held, drawing 928 people. Um, match 2, a six-woman tag team match. The stars team of Hanan, Saida and Momokogo defeating the Thai team of Sakikashima, Kashima, Ruwaka, and Rina when Hanan gets the pinfall with a roll-up reversal in 8 minutes and 43 seconds. Um, Matt, another entertaining undercard match
1: shocker right uh my first note is saeeda destroys everyone like she's slowly becoming you know for someone that just came back a few months ago she's slowly becoming one of my favorites uh to watch just because she's like so intense and she's built like a like a like a fire plug it's just like <laughs> that girl does not skip leg day at all or forearm day either you can tell by by the brutal chops she throws she's so intense in everything she does uh, and now that she's got Yuji Nagata as like, you know, one of the, <laughs> the, the the teachers, it just adds, adds to the destruction. Uh, it, Han Arena, obviously, you know, they work well together. I mean, their sisters, they had the, uh, they had the, uh, the future title, uh, future start of match uh, a few weeks back that I thought was really, really good and more really good stuff here. And I really enjoyed the finish. It was basically almost like a counter. It was like a leg lace, like, uh, like roll through. I thought that was really good. Yeah, it was It was solid. It was, you know, nonstop action. Nobody looked bad. Everybody got a couple, you know, things in here or there. And then when it was time to go home, it was time to go home. But, yeah, it's an undercard match, so you're not going to go out there and be doing top rope brain busters, and you're not going to be doing uh, Canadian Destroyers, you know, through a fire table or anything like that. It did what it needed to do. It told a really good story. Again, Saeeda was able to get over her intensity. And uh, I had this one at three and a quarter stars. It was, it was really good for the time that it was uh, allowed out there.
0: Yeah, the same with me. I gave it three and a quarter. I just wanted to... Karen Peterson has done a write-up on post-wrestling, and I was reading it because she does. She's got some great translations, so it's a great resource for anyone who wants to go out and uh, check out a write-up of uh, the pay-per-view. But (laughs) she's got some... uh... Some interesting tidbits from commentary. So, Juice and Thunder Liger, who was the ambassador for this pay-per-view, uh, was on commentary as well. And there's some great moments where Liger is just really, really into the matches. Uh, he was really into the tag team match, the semi-main. But he referred to Saida as, she's totally Queen Kong. Um, and then the commentator, Motoy said she aims to be like Tomohiro Ishii and Katsuyori Shibata. I mean, Jesus Christ, that would... That hits the nail on the head. She is the love child of Ishii and Shibata. She couldn't be any more like that, could she?
1: Greatest feud in the history of the Never Open Championship, in my opinion. The two best wrestlers to ever hold that belt. Uh, those Shibata Ishii matches. Boy, if you like to, no nonsense, no part of my language, bullshit, hard hitting wrestling. Those two just, it's like, okay, here's the finish. Yeah, see you out there. Yeah, no, no problem. You're going to owe me a beer. No, you're going to owe me a beer. And, but yeah, you're, you're, you're right there. <laughs> They're basically like Ishii and Shibata. And which makes me think, because I think, like, whenever somebody asks me, like, who is this person as compared to like, somebody in New Japan, and I always say, like, Momo is very Shibata like uh, Momo Watanabe. So now I really want to, now that I have that comparison in my head, I really want to see a Sai universe versus Momo Watanabe match so bad. So bad. Hopefully we'll get it in the 84-round uh, uh, five-star Grand Prix <laughs> we have coming up here in a few months. But that's funny. That, I, yeah, Liger's a genius in many ways. But, man, now I, I was calling her Sayida Kabashi. I might call her Sayida and
0: now. <laughs> Just talking about Sayida a bit more, like, this match was obviously very centred around Hannon, uh, which is fine. Obviously, she's the future of Stardom champion. Um, do you think Sayida feels... And again, I don't mean to be disparaging towards the future of Stardom title, but do you feel like she's a bit too big for that title now?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think you're going to see her. They're going to push her up the card quite a bit. I wouldn't be shocked by end of the summer. She's a challenger for one of the other two belts. And uh, geez, now I'm thinking about it. Can you imagine the of for Sherry match? Jeepers, creepers. That's another. Yeah, especially they just keep building her, you know, with the momentum that she that she has. And obviously Sherry's doing a phenomenal job. With the World of Stardom title, but I think you're going to see a slow build towards Saida getting somewhere, a, a title shot for one of those two big two belts coming up probably towards the end of the summer as we get, you know, get rolling into the five star.
0: I mean, I'm just trying to think. I mean, red belt, I think might be a bit too far. I'll be perfectly honest. But white belt, Saya Kamatani versus Saya I mean, they were rookies at the same time. That could have an interesting story, a really interesting story.
1: Well, I see your point there, but here's something else too: is Sherry's going to be defending uh, the the belt her next title defense against somebody that's out of the promotion? So why? And and Mariah had a title shot three weeks in, so why wouldn't Sayida get a title shot? You know what I mean? If they build her up properly, and that's obviously a match that I know me and you would absolutely love to see. So if they're going to do you know those two matches with Sherry, why wouldn't they? You know. Give a little, give a little shove to Saida. Obviously, she wouldn't win the belt, but at the same time, you're just, you're, you know, you're gonna make her. You're gonna make her in that matches. And as always, it's not who goes over. Sometimes it's it's uh, our who goes over, it's who gets over. And I think Saito would get over massively in a match with Sherry for the for the Red Belt.
0: I mean, you look at what they did with Unagi last year. They, not necessarily forced, but they certainly pushed her into a match with Sherry for the, <gasps> pardon me, for the SWA belt. So. It could happen, certainly. And it could be a moment, you know, Sayreed has proved time after time. She's had big matches against Julia. Brilliant match. It was in our top 10 hidden gems of 2021. Had a great match, singles match with Mayu Watani. So she's proved that she can do it on a single stage. But to have that focus, I'd be really, really interested to see how she goes on because I have really, really high expectations of where she'd go with that. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought. A really, really good showing for all involved. And for the amount of time we have spoken about Sayarida in this match, it was Hannon who was in there for the most and actually got the pinfall. But uh, yeah, Sayarida certainly uh, winning over hearts and minds.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Match three then, a six-woman tag team match between the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Thunder Nakano, Yunagi Liga Sayaka, and Mina Shira Liga, defeating the Queen's Quest team of Yutami Hayashista, Azumi and Lady C, with the wonderfully named Breakthrough the Castle Gates in 10 minutes and three seconds. Matt, I can imagine as cosmic angels come through that curtain and they are clad in jushin thunder liger masks i can imagine a tear coming to your eye
1: rob goodwin i will i will as of this month in a few weeks i will have 40 wonderful years on this planet i've been blessed to see some cool amazing and badass things that might be my all-time top 10. I don't know. I'd really have to run back all the memories through my head. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And I will say this. I didn't know whether I was – they, what they, they should have done a split screen because they get halfway through the fantastic Cosmic Angels dance with the Liger mask on. And halfway through, they cut to Liger, who is just marking out. He has – guy, the guy who has a mask on, it's tough for you to um, – emotions – but Liger is one of the best ever, and you can just see how happy he is. And there's one point where I'm like, "No, cut back to the Cosmic Angels." I'm like, "No, cut back to Liger." I'm like they should just had a split screen. They should have just had a split screen because I just thought that was so, <laughs> that was so good, and they were able to nail that dance in the mask. Have you ever worn a mask, Rob? Like a ski mask, or just like put on a wrestling mask for uh, for a hot second?
0: Honestly, no. The closest I've probably got is when I was doing go karting and I got a balaclava on, and that was uncomfortable.
1: That's what I mean. It's like, it's hard to see when you have the three of them in sync in the dance. And it was actually funny because I, I watched uh, this show. And then Friday, right after uh, me and Amber and I had dinner, we were getting ready to go see Dr. Strange. we were sitting in the movie theater and I was texting you back and forth. and like, yeah, we might do two hours of the podcast just on this entrance alone. And, uh, you know, kind of popped each other. And then I was telling, I was, sitting there, was telling Amber, I said, yeah, the Cosmic Angels, they did the, uh, they did the dance in the Liger mask. And she goes, well, did they trip? And my first, I go no 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 no. I said Waka wasn't there. Which was just she's oh, was just the three girls.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so she already knew without me even saying. She's like, how are they able to? The four of them were able to dance. I said no, no Waka. She's like oh, just uh, Tam Tam, uh, Mina and Yunagi. I said yeah. I said, it was really cool. And she's like yeah, I bet. She's like I know your affection for Tim, and I said, you know my affection for Liger as well <laughs> a couple years ago for a couple a couple years ago for Christmas, she did give me an autographed Yushin Thunder liger mask, so uh so full 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 circle on that one, brother, but yeah, obviously I thought that was really cool. I think it's awesome how they're bringing in these legends from New Japan, obviously they're both owned by Bushin Road uh, Yuji, Yuji Nagata is still active uh, today, obviously Liger retired uh, at the Tokyo Dome in uh, 2020, so but I think it's really just kind of sprinkling their dust, you know, the Nagata dust and the Liger dust. On the start, it was like it's the hottest promotion in Japan right now. And it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt at all that when you look over at the uh, the Japanese booth and you see Jushin Liger or when you see the pregame of the last pay-per-view and you see Yuji Nagata and Nagata teaching Sia you know, the the Nagata lock. And you just wonder now if they're going to be doing things where, like, Liger was teaching Tam Nakano the palm strike. I'd be all for that. So... I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool that that they're doing that, and I'm interested to see who, what other legends that they would uh, they would bring in, you know, from New Japan that would kind of just you know pop their head and just say, you know, hey, hello, I'm here to kind of put Stardom over. So I thought that was a a really cool dynamic and a good way for the for the legends to uh, to help out the upcoming promotion that is Stardom.
0: What I've liked in Stardom this year has been how quite a few of the wrestlers have been really, really creative in the way that they have tried, you know changed what would otherwise be undercard, sort of throwaway undercard tag matches and made them their own, given them their own sort of backstory. And obviously we got a huge Cosmic Angels hashtag our victory for Liger story going on with Mina Shirakawa being this enormous Jushin Thunder Liger fan. And I thought that was really cool way of making what would otherwise be, you know, no offense, a bit of a forgettable match in the grand scheme of the pay-per-view. And it made it, extremely entertaining. Like, you saw Mina overcome with emotion come the end of the match. You know, absolutely over the moon that Liger had fist-bumped her. It was amazing. It was so good. And then, obviously, you've got all the little tributes to Liger. You've got the all three of Cosmic Angels attempting the Romero special, but, you know, only Mina can get it in on Azumi. And I just thought that was a really, really, really nice touch that they added to it. It was a really fun match. Even... Without the Liger stuff, it would have been a very good in-ring match, as I'm sure you realize with everyone in there that was. But overall, I had to give it three and a half. I thought it was so fun. I thought the Liger stuff was fantastic. I just wish Mina had uh, pinned Lady C.
1: Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Um, I guess it would have made a little more sense, but again, in the grand scheme of things uh with for as much especially towards the end of this actually with the next match you know leading towards the main event it was just so kind of top heavy and just really really stacked so i see your point of view uh as always my man i'm gonna agree with you i had this at three and a half stars as well shocker right um because like, we talked about this last week the cosmic angels when it comes to their triple team and quadruple teams they're probably the best of any of the factions like, you'll see some of the other teams, they'll do really good double teams or two double teams in a, in a row with two different members. But when it comes to their triple team or their quadruple teams, like, they're really, really good. And it shows, like, what a great leader Tam is because they do a really good job of, like, Tam setting up the play. Like, she's the coach. Like Okay, they're down. You go here, you go here, you go here. So you can clearly see, like, if you just walked into the room, you know any of these people are. You know that in their faction. You know right away when they're setting up these triple team and quadruple quadru, quadruple team, easy for me to speak, uh, moves that Tam is clearly the leader of this faction. And it's obviously, they're you know, they're doing hit after hit after hit on these moves. Uh, you know, I thought that that was great. Lady C is doing a really good job selling. Not that she was bad before, but I've noticed in this match and in the match that uh, we briefly reviewed before on, uh, you know, night one, that her selling is coming a long way. And for someone who's one, who is probably the tallest member of the roster she kind of has to sell a little bit different so she does a, she's been doing a really good job of emoting uh selling and really my last note i have here zumi equals superstar i mean it's another thing that we touch upon all the time i mean she's just really really coming into her own as far as like curtain to kirk she's been solid bell to bell since she was you know 15 16 17 years old but just her presence uh her presence just coming into the ring you know again with the longer hair with the new gear with that with that robe and then you know, as she comes out she has the belt uh the high speed championship belt it's just something that adds to the package that is a Zumi. and i expect big big things uh from Azumi. uh you know even bigger than what she's doing before maybe she finally wins a tournament and breaks your curse rob because i know you've had her pegged winning every tournament for the last two or three years so maybe in the next year or two she finally wins one of them but uh, uh, yeah, I thought th- I thought this was this was really solid. It was really solid, and obviously the liger stuff. Me being a giant uh, Jushin Thunder Liger fan, just just you know, was the extra cherry on top to what was an a all around solid and fun match.
0: Let's move on then to match for the SWA Undisputed World Women's Championship match. Mayu Iwatani defeats the champion Tekla with the moonsault in 17 minutes and 26 seconds. Tekla fails in V3, losing the belt after 96 days. Mayu Iwatani becomes the ninth champion, the first wrestler of Japanese descent to hold the belt since Utami. I know that Suri, of course, was born in Kanagawa, but she sort of embraced her Filipino heritage for the, you know... Hence, she could have more challenges. Um, She also, and this is the big story heading into this match, Mayu Iwitani also became a Grand Slam champion, winning every belt on offer to her. The future belt didn't come into existence until after Mayu was ineligible to challenge for it. But what a moment for Mayu Iwitani. Second only to Io Shirai. There are two wrestlers who are Stardom Grand Slam winners. Mayu is number two. What a fantastic moment for the icon of stardom, Matt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this was obviously Tekla's biggest match uh, since we've seen her in in stardom. I'm assuming probably of her career. She's defending the SWA belt against the icon of stardom, one of the best wrestlers, not only in stardom, but of the world. You know, One of probably the the best wrestlers in the last 10, 15 years as well. I mean, I don't mean you're just ginormous Mayu Iwatani fans. Uh, So I'm not understating that statement at all, not one bit. And Tekla really stepped up her game here. I thought this was the best Tekla match that I've seen her in by a mile. Oh, hands And that's down. not saying that. Hands yet. down. And I'm not saying her matches are bad. I mean, obviously, if you listen to the podcast, we're talking about how great she's been, you know, ever since her debut in January. I mean, she's really getting, you know, everything down. She's really, uh, you know, found her way in the ring, her character down, her entrance, everything. Obviously, she comes out to a death metal song. So that's right up my alley. She <laughs> breaks out the, uh, you know, the, the Legion of Doom light jacket. And the uh, the really creepy mask, which I thought was really good, nice little uh, added twist there. But uh, yeah, I thought this was the best, by far the best Tekla match that that we've seen. And right from the get go, she goes right after Mayu with strikes, and she goes right to the knee, which makes sense. Uh, you know, makes sense. You know, Mayu is obviously the quicker of the two wrestlers. You know, she relies on a lot of those kicks, the super kicks, the buzzsaw kicks, and obviously you know the patented moonsault. But there was one part in this match I'm not sure if you noticed that that was kind of funny tackles on the outside and she's selling and then and she grabs the SWA belt almost as a, like like almost felt to look like she, the way she looked at it was like if I don't get my shit together like I this I'm not going to have this belt anymore and then as she had it in her hands Mayu goes for a dive and she hits Mayu with the belt and then Momo is out there, because obviously she's the second for stars. She stands up and she looked like she wanted to punch Tekla right in the mouth. Which that was funny for someone who's so endearing, so sweet as Momo Kogo. She was just like, what? You just you just hit my leader with that belt. That's illegal. Like I'm gonna punch you in the mouth. That's the way it looked like to me. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny, the way the look that she gave her. But you knew like from the the uh, the stiff strikes that Tekla was hitting with Maya, you know there was gonna be a receipt. And she hit two super kicks that were like, holy jeepers. Like they were two of the two of the tightest super kicks, and like the way that like Tekla sold it and flew back was just fantastic. And even I think like her mouth or her cheek was busted open as towards the end of the match. Um, so I thought that was you know that added a little little extra onto it. There was a really really close near fall with Tekla did the O'Connor roll into the Bob Backlund Bridge as I call it, and uh, which kind of makes sense because it was like a two point nine nine count, and she won a lot of the. Uh, the build-up matches like a lot of the uh, Road Two show matches with the uh, with that that same thing. So they built that move up a little bit in the upcoming weeks for this. But uh, ultimately, a couple of tombstones and the uh, the moonsault gets the win for Mayo Iwatani becoming the SWA champion. Again, this was absolutely solid. Mayu was just she just can't miss. I had this one at a solid four stars.
0: I had the same four stars. I. there's just so much to like about this match, whether it's the amount of mirroring they did here between this and the match that Mayu lost against Suri and lost so comprehensively as well. uh, Suri destroyed Mayu in that main event of World Climax. Um, but you know, we had that in the build up, and then it was sort of that story of Maya wanting to build herself back up, you know, from that damning defeat and becoming that grand slam champion. And I thought they told that story really well. She went for the moonsault, landed on the bad knee, just like she did against Suri, but this time she was able to take advantage and actually pick up the victory. So I did like that mirroring. I love the fact that both women up their games. We had Tombstones on the um on the outside, we had Tekla um hitting Maya. With the belt, like you mentioned, and it was a really, really good back and forth between the pair. And you're absolutely right. The first super kick that Mayu delivers, which we talk about that exhausted super kick, she caught Tekla flush on the cheek, and she had a lovely imprint of Mayu's boot on her cheek to go along with there to go along with her loss, which is unfortunate. But I've talked quite a bit about things like lose face. Julia, uh, not Julia, Tecla came down to the ring and she got such lose face. You could really, really tell that, you know, she she was losing this bout. And all of the build up was about Mayu. Everything was about Mayu. The loss to Suri, the wanting to become a Grand Slam champion. The only belt I've never held is the SWA. Can you imagine if if Tecla had pinned her in 10 minutes? Like. Yeah, not yeah, exactly. There was just no, there was no build up for that, and you know all the plaudits, and rightly so. are going to go to Mayu for this outstanding achievement, um, and for you know the matches that she could now have around the world, which is what she said she wants to do. But Tekla deserves a lot of credit here because I thought she was outstanding. Here. I thought she was brilliant from the charisma she has in ring to the way she targeted Mayu's knee to the way she sold the loss. I thought she was absolutely fantastic here. And obviously she's been announced for a match at Flashing Champions, which I am incredibly excited to share with you, Matt. Um, One thing I did notice, and I don't know if anyone else noticed this, as Mayu was coming down to the ring, did anyone else notice that her pyro burnt her?
1: I shouldn't be laughing at that because I don't laugh when anybody gets hurt, especially on pyro. Mayu is one of my favorite wrestlers in the world right now. But it's Mayu. Holy shit. I did not notice that. God bless her. She's she's like, she's the best person ever. God bless her. She came down to the ring and literally
0: the sparklers were going off. And I think some of the stuff must have hit her because she sort of jumped and then sort of laughed. So, uh, bless her. Yeah. Um, something else I do just want to say, um, is that Saki Kashima was on guest commentary from after her match all the way through to the main event. And, they didn't show it on camera, but there was sort of things on Twitter and things. She was, she was tearing up at the end and she was on her feet, giving a standing ovation to Mayu because obviously they are close backstage. And to have Mayu accomplish this great feat, it, it got on top of her a little bit. And I thought that was such an endearing moment and really did put sort of a lovely little bow on this match. Um, It's definitely one of the matches of the show. And, Actually, I am just going to spoil it a little bit. These final four matches, what a one, two, three, four punch. Jesus, it just keeps ramping up and up and up. You can't miss any of these final four matches because they are that good. But yeah, fantastic win for Mayu. Now a little bit of trivia for you, Matt. There are two people who are the closest to becoming the third Grand Slam champion. Both are two belts away. Can you guess who they are?
1: Yutami would... Oh, uh, yes, yeah, got you Yutami, because the white belt and the artist, right? Did I get that right?
0: Yutami is one of them, but she has held the artist. She's never held the high speed. Okay.
1: Oh, I forgot about the high speed. Okay, so Yutami and... Would it be Momo Watanabe?
0: No, Momo's three belts off.
1: Uh, would it be... Sherry.
0: Nope.
1: Huh, who's the other one? Kyrie. Oh, how about that? How about that? Always nice for when we do timeout for trivia. It's <laughs>
0: <at>. <laughs> Though you have just now, said that. Now if I
1: would've if I, yeah, if I would have studied your book, Living the Dream started tenth anniversary in review <laughs> uh, a little better, maybe I would have got it. So you got two plugs there.
0: Hang on, just let me think. Is Shiri two away as well? Yes she, she didn't is.
1: Know. The white and the high speed, the right? The white
0: and the high speed, same as you, Tommy.
1: Oh, look at that. I did read the book. Oh, my mom. Was, <laughs> we're, we're, we're coming off Mother's Day here. My mom would be so proud. Uh, I just want to say real quick before I forget, we talked about, I think it was last week or the week before, how with how well Zumi's doing with the high speed title. You literally have, you know, four or five belts you can main event big shows with. Obviously, the, the red belt, the white belt, uh, the tag belts, uh, and then, I you know, because Zumi's been doing so well. You can put a Zumi in the main event of like a Cork and Hall show and with the high-speed belt, and you can main event that as well. Now that Mayu is the SWA champion, you can put that because Mayu is just such, you know, such on top of her game and such a legend and still in her prime. It's another belt you can put on the main event of a Cork and Hall show, and it's going to sell, you know, 800, 900 tickets easy. So that's just just wild to me. I've never seen, like I talk about it. A, a handful of months ago, I said that eight w's roster is the deepest roster i've seen since the all japan king's roads days which is obviously my favorite era of professional wrestling but not every one of their belts can main event big shows where it's like stardom has five of them now just that's just wild to me wild to me they could main event any of these cork and hall shows with any of these t- just about any of these title belts
0: absolutely you're not wrong there um, match five then saw an eight woman elimination tag team match with the God's Eye team of Siuri, Amisori, Mirai, and Konami defeating the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia, May Sakurai, Natsupoi, and Himika. With Mirai last eliminating May Sakurai with the Miramar in 26 minutes and 32 seconds. Um, Matt, another fantastic match.
1: We know that this was elimination. When we previewed this show, did, did you say if it was elimination or not? Because I was watching this match, and I was like, they're doing over-the-top rope, and they're making like it's a big deal. And I was like, did I, did I miss something here?
0: No, I think it was always elimination.
1: Oh, that just goes to show that how easily confused I get sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought this was really good. And this, to me, was <laughs> was a shocker. They had my Sakurai last until the end. You figured it would have been, you know, Julia or Konami or something like that. Uh, you know, going going towards the end, or obviously Sherry, the, uh, the the champion. But I thought that was pretty wild that they had her. You know, going going towards the final was a nice little push for her. Uh, and then I I did see the result from, I think it was the show after this where she did have a, a big victory over a very prominent member of the roster. So they're really pushing Mae Sakurai. Um, I thought, how funny would it would have been if for the final that um, she hits Sherry, the red belt champion, with the beautiful elbow drop puts her foot on her all ultimate warrior macho man Randy Savage Wrestlemania 7 gets the three count and then they cart Shuri the red belt champion on a stretcher out of the ring just to put over (laughs) the brutality of your favorite move ever May Sakurai's. you know seven star elbow drop but yeah this was this was fun just because you just didn't know like who was going to get eliminated obviously they did two double eliminations uh almost like back to back which kind of you know you know took the numbers down uh, I thought Amy Sora looked really good here. I thought they did a really good job highlighting her here. Uh, we talked about how Konami was just maybe about a half a beat off in her return match. Uh, that was clearly washed away here because I thought she looked fantastic. I thought she was the MVP of the match. I thought everything she did was good. Her timing was good. The kicks were right back. Any of that little bit of rust that we saw from her just a couple days ago, compl- in my eyes, completely gone. I thought she looked really, really sharp here. How about you, Rob? Would you a little bit more high on Konami on, 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 in this showing?
0: Konami and Julia's stuff was absolutely fantastic here, and obviously there is a story. Obviously, Julia won she originally suggested the idea for this match to be that if Konami or if God's Eyes lo- if God's Eye lost, then Konami would join DDM when she returned to wrestling full time. But Suri sort of said no, absolutely not. Um, and obviously the last match at Dream Queendom, the Hanakamura um memorial match. That was between Julia and Konami, so there is history there. There was the never-end flag as well. There was a little bit of comedy on the outside where <laughs> Julia just laid it out on the apron and Konami slipped on it, which was hilarious, and then they both eliminated each other. So I thought that they worked incredibly well together. Um, I thought Konami looked great. I thought she locked, there was a moment where she was locking in submissions. I think it was on Natsupoy, and it just looked brilliant really really smooth it was like she'd never been away um and then you look at everyone else in this match you know Himika throwing larry it's like it's gone out of fashion amissori launching herself around the ring mirai looking like an absolute powerhouse and that's without the likes of Natsupoi flinging herself around the ring my only surprise and it's not necessarily a negative is that me sakurai like you said was the one left at the end for ddm against mirai um you know Obviously, we're getting a high- highlighting Mariah for, for several reasons. She won the Cinderella and she would go on to challenge whoever won in the main event. So obviously there needed to be a highlight there. But in terms of May Sakura, how did you think she looked in that closing segment? Because it's all very well highlighting someone. But if that highlighting is highlighting someone who isn't very good at wrestling, then it's a bad thing. How did you think she reacted to basically having the uh, spotlight thrust on her?
1: I thought she hit it out of the park for the position that she was in. And I think that once it came down to Mariah, who just won the Cinderella, getting a white belt title shot, you know, they're really highlighting her and it came down to her and May Sakura. I don't think anybody thought that May was going to, uh, that May was going to win. And I thought maybe it's like, ah, they're just basically going to feed her to the wolves. Like she's just going to get destroyed. But uh, Mar- Mariah did a good job giving her enough. And I think that May did the absolute best with that opportunity. And coming for somebody, where if you were to ask me, you know, two days ago, who's the weakest member on the roster, I would say well, I'll do respect. I mean, again, you're wrestling, uh, you have all my respect, especially you're in a fantastic promotion like Stardom. There are no bad wrestlers, but I would say she's probably the person that I, you know, would least if that that I probably like almost least care for. And they've almost completely flipped that with with this this performance here. Uh, I thought that she did a really, really good job. It's like, okay, here's your opportunity. What are you going to do with it? She, to, in, to uh, in my opinion, my man, to answer your question, she uh, did the best with it, completely knocked it out of the park. How about you?
0: I thought she did a lot better. Um, not necessarily on offense, where I don't think it's been an issue, but her positioning was a lot better. She was feeding for Mariah a lot better as well. She was in the right place. And I know that sounds really patronizing and condescending. I don't mean it to. I thought she looked a lot better. Which is great. You know, it's really good for her. Obviously, stardom are quite high on her. So the better she gets, especially the more she gets that push, then I'm happy. I mean, I, there are wrestlers like you. There are wrestlers I'd rather see in, a, in an elevated spot. Irida, for example. But do you know what? If she's worked hard, she deserves it. Give her a chance. We'll see how she does. Um, post match after Mariah's won, we get a little bit of an exchange where, you know, Julia's like, Come on, Konami, come and join us. Yuri says no, and Konami just basically tells Julia she's an idiot. I've still got plenty of fight left over for you, Julia. Um, and then ends with never end. So even though this is the end of Konami and Stardom for now, it certainly doesn't sound like it's the end forever, which is a good thing. Hopefully, like you mentioned, Matt. Konami has that bug again and she'll be back sooner rather than later and then obviously it's natural that she goes into uh she goes into God's eye um Let's move on then to the semi-main event, which was the Goddesses of Stardom Championship match. The Fukuoka Double Crazy team of stars, Suzuki and Koguma, defeating the champions Black Desire, Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid, as Hazuki finally gets her revenge on Momo Watanabe with the Hazuki Stroll in 22 minutes and 19 seconds. Well, we predicted it would not be a happy homecoming for either of the trio of uh, Fukuoka natives. However, not only did FWC win the titles back, it was an outstanding match, Matt.
1: Yeah, their first one at World Climax was really good. I like this one better, and I'm hoping they have a rubber match. I hope they have a uh, rubber match to settle the score, and I will predict that one will go to a time limit draw, considering the (laughs) the first two I picked. Went to a time limit draw, but these two they they can literally wrestle every month, and I would never get sick of it. Their chemistry that they have these excuse, these two teams, these four individuals are fantastic. And just like the first one, it started off with a uh, crazy Owedo Tai style brawl. The one thing I noticed too, I noticed like when Huzuki was coming to the ring, she has like she's starting to get like that it factor, like that it factor that Julia's been getting the last six or seven months, like that it factor that like Tam has been getting, you know, the last year or so. Just something about her, like the way that she was, like, walking the ring and carrying herself, or just, like, her facial expressions. I was, And I don't know, it might have been had something to do with the new gear. I thought their new gear, her and Kaguma, looked really, really good. I like how they, uh, whenever they have these big matches or these title matches or the tag matches, they just, they, they have the matching gear. I always, I'm always a big fan of the matching gear on, on tag teams. But there was just something different about her. Where it was like, I just kind of just like couldn't keep my eyes off her. It was just like, she just seems like she's starting to get that in factor. And she had a little bit of it, pun intended, I guess, um, you know, when she came back to Stardom. But to me, she just seems like she's starting to get on that roll towards like, hmm, maybe we can start pushing her as a main event. I mean, did you notice that at all in and, and her entrance and in this match as well, Rob? It, looked like, it just seems like there's there's a little bit more to her now.
0: I think she had renewed aggression. And it's something that has been missing from Hazuki. You know, we saw glimpses of it at World Climax. But here, she was out for blood. And yeah, it could it could have been the new gear. I was getting a lot of Kagetsu vibes, actually, from, uh, from the new gear. I might have been the only one. But I thought she looked great here. She wrestled... Really, really aggressively, really quickly. I thought all four women looked fantastic in this match. I don't know if you heard Jushin Liger. (laughs) Momo Watanabe throwing those kicks at Hazuki. Jesus Christ. Even Liger was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What is in her boot? What the hell? Because those, they sounded like cannon blasts.
1: The, the one thing I've noticed, and I, I've noticed a lot with Suzuki, especially I know the Patreon episode, I think the next one we're reviewing is her and Kigetsu, is Suzuki's like the greatest feeder as far as head strikes. And sometimes it's one thing if you're going to get kicked in the chest, if you're going to get formed, or if you're going to get chopped, you kind of, you know, you know, where to feed the chest or, you know, feed a certain part of your body. With head kicks, especially like coming off the ropes, sometimes the timing might be a little bit off. And you, you might catch one in, you know, in the ear or the head or and you get knocked loopy. You know, it's happened to me before. and just, it, it just happens. But it's just, I've never seen anybody feed for a head kick, especially running, whether it's Momo running or whether it's Hazuki running. Because sometimes your timing, like I said, could be a little bit off and it could be a little bit scary. It just like blows my mind how well she feeds for those head kicks. I think that's what Liger was kind of almost like, you know, almost like popping for. Yeah, it was. It was something else. I mean, Starlight Kid was really well. He did really good here, as always. Koguma, the same thing. But really, the last stretch of this match was kind of the Hazuki and Momo story. Was it not, Rob?
0: Absolutely. And I do just want to take it because I knew we'd focus more on Hazuki and Momo Watanabe as that was sort of the story going in. And it was the main body of this match. And it looked awesome. Um, but I thought the high-speed stuff between Koguma and Starlight Kid was phenomenal. The only bit, really, that... I, was re- I wasn't really a fan of. Was Starlight Kid n- should never be allowed near any weapon ever again because those hammer shots she delivered with the ring bar hammer were dreadful. They were extremely poor, but that is a very, very small negative. I thought that everyone performed tremendously. And honestly, I thought this was better than their match at World Climax as well. It's my favorite tag team match from Stardom this year. I gave it four and a half stars. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah. Sounded like we're repeating ourselves. I agree. sir. it is the best Stardom tag match I've seen all year. And I also gave it four and a half stars as well. I think we're almost dead on on just about all of our, like right to the quarter star. On uh, what we have for the show but i thought i thought the ending was really good how they looked like they were just they were double it, it made sense uh, momo and starlight kid are the heel tag team and they have to constantly hit Hazuki with these double team moves in order to get the advantage and it's almost like they're blitzing them blitzing Hazuki at the end and i was sitting there watching i'm like man this is really good but they just hit poor Hazuki with like three or four things and Hazuki doesn't really have a comeback and i thought okay this is you know, Momo's going for the, uh, the 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 peach sunrise, or 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 she might have been up for the peach thunder. You kind of didn't know which way she was going to go with there. And I was like, okay, well that's going to be the finish. But it would have been nice if maybe Huzuki got something in, and she held her up for like just a split second too long, and it was enough time for Hazuki to you know wriggle free and get the hooky Hazuki stock I'm like, ah, that's why they did it. It's she's the under. It's the underdog story where she got hit with three or four big things, you know, one after another, after after another. And then she does the baby face thing where she pulls out. All it takes is three seconds. I thought the finish was absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Can't fault it in the slightest. And they actually teased the Hazuki Strauble before as well uh, with Momo basically just kicking her out of it, you know, showcasing, I've been you twice. I'm stronger than you. Um, and yeah, I can't believe how much Hazuki actually took without being pinned. I mean, she got hit with the Tequila Sunrise. She got hit with the Peach Sunrise. She got hit with a chair that broke. Um she was, yeah. She she was hit with a lot, but overall a really, really, really good match. And definitely, definitely the best tag match in Stardom this year. Post match, um, Kogamer would invite Mayu out, um, but would also turn her singles match with Zumi later on the Golden Week tour into a high speed championship match. So that would take place, I believe on the 8th of May. But again, as we haven't got them on Stardom World yet, we can't review that for you. But I imagine it was great. Match 7 then, and our main event of the baby view was the Wonder of Stardom Championship match. Saya Kamatani, the champion, defeating the homecoming girl, Micah with the Phoenix Splash in 24 minutes and 58 seconds for V5. Now, this match, Matt, We've seen Sayakamitani and Micah lock up a couple of times now, and each match has gotten progressively better. Their Cinderella final match was a really good match. This blew it out of the water for me.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And when the uh, tag match finished, again, me being a primary tag guy, I'm like, yeah, that's going to be... Even like when the card was announced, I was like, "All right, obviously Saya and Micah is going to go on last, but nothing's going to beat that tag match. And the tag match happened, and I'm like... Yeah, um, I know Sai and Mike are going to have their working boots on. They're both fantastic wrestlers. I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic match. But it's no way it's going to be better than the tag match. And uh, this was my favorite match of the show. How about you?
0: Yeah, completely agree. I thought Micah with the new gear, the ring entrance, the way she carried herself in this match, she was unbelievable. She was fantastic. The progress and the growth in Micah to the point where would you class her as a main event talent or just under?
1: No, now I would. Because this is a main event of a pay per view that drew over a thousand people, and she had the best match on the show. And considering the fact the uh, the last four matches were really, really good, you know, somebody some if I if somebody on Twitter sent me a message, that they they would say, "I think Mayu and Tekla was the best match of the show." Sure, you know, it's your opinion. That I'm not going to argue against you. But you had literally four matches that are considered that could be considered best match of the show, and me and you in agreement that this was match of the show. But I think Micah is uh, is you can put her up at the tier of main eventer. Yeah, and I thought it was funny that they gave her the uh, Macho King Randy Savage entrance. And uh, much like you talking about how poor Mayu burned herself on the pyro, did you notice that Micah, she almost hit her head off like one of those light balls going (laughs) towards the entrance?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did, I did, yes. I thought they did tremendously well, to be fair, the guys that uh, that carried the sort of chair thing in. I thought they did uh, remarkably well as Micah was doing her best King Mabel impression. Um, Overall... Hold what? on,
1: timeout. I I went Randy Savage. And you went Mabel. <laughs> I tell you what, man. Yeah, we we're, we we're, we're, we just spent the last two minutes putting Micah over, and then you. No disrespect to, to the late great King Mabel, but you went Mabel, and I went Randy Savage.
0: Oh boy, oh boy. Go ahead, sir. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do. Micah did phenomenally, and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about that, and rightly so, because this, as much as. Micah's performance in the five star against Utami was outstanding. Her match at Tokyo Super Wars was was good against Utami. Um, her match at the 10th anniversary against Utami was was good, but it was not necessarily divisive, but people either really liked it or weren't bothered. This match, it was just fantastic. And Saya Kamatani is on a worker of the year trajectory because every match she's had, she has knocked it out of the park. Natsupo, Unagi, this one here, she hasn't had a miss. And the bumps that she took in this match, like we talk a lot about size athleticism, her unique style of offense, her high-flying offense, but here she took some outrageous bumps. Like, the stuff on the apron the superplex the top rope brain buster holy god matt
1: yeah there was also a spot where si went for the top rope of her Karana and micah caught her like "Ah, i've seen this spot before she's gonna hit her with a power bomb it's a cool spot but it said micah dropped her forward and when you're coming down with that speed and someone as strong as Micah, like she went face first in the turnbuckle and if you don't get your hands up at the right time if you get it if you get your hands up too fast, it's gonna look terrible. If you get your hands up, you know, too uh are not fast enough, you know, she her face can be looking, you know, uh she, pretty well beat up because you're coming down at a pretty fast uh, fast force there. But yeah, I mean she kinda had to take these big bumps for Micah because that's that's her offense. That's her offense. And you want Micah to look good in the match so this way when she, when Saya goes over, it makes her look even better, but even you know, she has the speed advantage of this match, but she did the uh, the ma- move she's been doing for a little bit now, the, the schoolboy suplex spot. And when she was trying that, and I'm like, ah, she's going to do it, but it's only going to look like maybe 80% good. Because that's, Micah, you know, is, is obviously the bigger opponent. And she hit it perfect, the perfect bridge, everything. And I thought the finish, too, was brilliant. Uh, Micah's going for the Michinoku driver, you know, which is a match she's won, a move, excuse me, she's won many matches with. And they almost do akin to one of my favorite. You know, we talk about Macho Man Randy Savage, one of my favorite matches of all time the Ricky Steamboat Macho Man Randy Savage WrestleMania 3 finish, where Savage picks up Steamboat and he Steamboat inside cradles him uh, for the three count. So Himika, uh, excuse me, Micah picks up Saya for the Mijinoko driver. And on the way down, Saya rolls through, but then she rolls all the way through and almost deadlifts Micah. Into the Star Crusher, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, She gets the two count there. And I was like, I figured Sai is going to go over with the Phoenix Splash. It's the main event of the pay-per-view. You need to go over with your coolest move. But I was like, if that's the finish, I'm cool with it. So she hits her with like her secondary move. And then she debuts the 450, which I don't think I've never seen her do before. Has she done that move before?
0: not, Not that I can think of, actually, Matt, no. She, she does the 450. It doesn't, look,
1: it doesn't look like too cold Scorpio 1996 good, but it looked pretty good, but that wasn't the finish. Then she gets up, and she hits the Phoenix Splash. So I love the fact that she hit those three big moves in a row. You know, the way she got into the Star Crusher, Micah kicked out, so she goes to the top rope, hits the 450, and she's like, okay, I got her down for a couple seconds. Let me really put her away, and hits a uh, pitch-perfect, Hayabusa, Bushi style Phoenix Splash for the win. I thought this was, you know, hitting those three moves I, in that sequence the way that she hit them i thought was the perfect way to end which was like the perfect match i had this at four and three fourth stars uh and again i will ask this question is this the best mica match you've ever seen
0: um yes best mica match i've seen um and that's not to say the micah's output's been poor by any stretch of the imagination she's had some absolute bangers but I just think these two have such a good chemistry. And Sa um, Saya references that post match by saying that they are they are rivals. And I think that's very, very true. I think these two will be uh what's the Joker say, destined to dance forever or something like that. So I'm looking forward to far more matches um between these two. Now my question to you is, um, I foolishly omitted the two defenses at World Climax between um for Saya, Utami and Tam. Um my question to you is, is this your favorite Saya defense of the year?
1: I'm gonna back up a little bit, because her first defense was against Yunagi. I really I to me that was kind of a miss. It wasn't a bad match, but I thought for your first defense it needs to hit a home run. But she hit home run with Natsupoy, home run with Utami, home run with Tam and a home run on this match. Uh I mean that's almost like saying what is the your favorite of the Flair Steamboat 89 matches. There's really no wrong answer. I'm going to say, I think the Tam match might be my favorite just because that was a little more wild. It was a little more like Tam really going for broke to get that belt back. Uh, The backstory to that was a little bit better. But to me, there's really, even throw the Natsupoy match in there. I think between those four matches, there's really no wrong answer. But I would say the Tam match, uh, maybe maybe the Utami match second and this third. But I, I just really, if you were to ask me that tomorrow, and you'll probably text me tomorrow. <laughs> like, what's, <laughs> what's your favorite? I may give you. I may give you a different answer. But you know, we talked about how I had like Azumi as like the number three wrestler of the year, and then I think I two I had Okada number one. Sherry, like, geez. I mean, you can <laughs> you you, can, you now you have to put Saya in that category as a top three or four wrestler for this year. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But uh, why don't you, uh, there, good sir, answer your own question? Because I would like to know what your uh, favorite Saya Kamatani uh, title defense is.
0: It's between this and the TAM match. Um, I think very much in the same sort of ilk as yours, it's this, TAM, and Nat all as one ABC. Um, they are very much interchangeable. But, you know, Suri is, I imagine, and rightly so, People's Worker of the Year. I mean, good God, there's very few, if anyone, who's as good as her right now. Um But Sayak Amitani, low key, just whenever she's given the tab or whenever she's given the nod, just insists on putting on bangers. And again, to think where she has come from, like, and how quickly she's grown, like, it's frightening, Um, you know, in a good way. Um, But overall, what a match. Um, uh, Mariah obviously comes out, sets that up for the next stardom pay per view, um, because obviously. Mariah Won the Cinderella officially laid down her challenge for the winner of Sayakamatani and Micah. And we are gonna just quickly run through that card in a moment because that has been announced. But before we get there, um just a couple more things. So on the 13th of May, in four short days' time, we have got the second installment of the New Blood series, um, which, of course, has got matches such as Suzu Suzuki and Mei Sakurai on it, which I'm sure everyone is going to enjoy because Mei Sakurai is going to be beaten Pillar to post poor her. Um, and we've also got the Cosmic Angels team of Mina Shirakawa, Yunagi Sayaka, and Haruka Umisaki, um against Yungo, Adatai, Starlight Kid, Rina and Ruaka. Also, the return of Aoi from uh, Just Up Out, so there's that as well, which I'm very excited about. May 15th is the Korokan Hall, the next Stardom Korokan Hall show, um, which of course is going to be main evented by the Queen's Quest General Election Five-Way Battle, establishing the new with, um, the new leader, sorry, of Queen's Quest, Zumi Utami, Sayakamitani, Hina, and Lady C, all there. Also on that card, we have got Amasori versus Sayakida in a singles match. Um, Suri and Marai versus Mika and Himika, which I am incredibly excited about. That is going to be a blinking great match. And then we've also got a pair of eight woman tags with DDM versus Cosmic Angels and Stars versus Oedatai. The next pay-per-view outing for Stardom is uh, Stardom Flashing Champions, which is at Otaward City Gym uh, on the 28th of May. Now, at the time of recording, um, there was only four matches announced, but I've literally just had a notification through, and the full card has just been announced. So I'll read that back to you now. So again, Stardom Flashing Champions, the next pay-per-view Towards City Gym, the twenty-eighth of May. We have got for the future belt Hannon versus Ruwaka. The artist of Stardom Championships are going to be on the line with my Himipoy the Champions against Saki Kashima, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe. High speed belt. We have got Azumi versus Tekla. Um, SWA belt, Mayu Iwatani defending against Fuki Death. I'm not entirely sure how that works, um, with and Death also being Japanese, but maybe it's because she's a clown and the clown doesn't Yes, I was, I was ready to <laughs> cut you
1: off. But no need, Rather, You ran right through the offense. You got it, my man. You keep
0: going. <laughs> um, we've also got a goddess of stardom uh, title defense with the new champions Fukuwaku Double Crazy defending against Julia and May Sakurai of DDM. And then on top, we have got a white belt match, Sayaka Matani versus Mirai, and a red belt match, the champion, Shuri, defending against prominence's Risa Um, uh, Matt, what jumps out on you, that card? Stacked card, every belt on the line.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so much momentum with the two of them. Obviously, Shuri's the champion, so there's you can't really push her any farther than, than she is. Mirai's getting this huge push and Sia obviously putting on, I mean, she's best white, white belt title reign since Momo. You know, no disrespect to Tam or Julia. Ah, uh, well, Arisa. Arisa. Arisa's is really good as well. But, I mean, she's like she's trying to steal the show. And, ooh, I think the match I'm going the most is Mariah and Sia. just, I can't pick a winner. I just, I can't pick, I think, I think all the other champions are going to retain. But I just... I can't pick a winner in that, Mariah and Saya. Obviously, you know, we'll see the build as it comes to it, and we'll obviously do the review with our predictions. But uh, that's the match I'm probably looking forward to the most because Mariah's putting on absolute bangers. And obviously, we just talked about uh, Saya Kamatani just going out there and stealing the show, you know, every chance that she gets.
0: Don't be surprised if we come out of that pay per view talking about Azumi versus Tackler.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's. <laughs> Man, it's so good. So good. There's so much good stuff. So much good stuff. And then you have, you know, Mayu Uitani, who acts like a clown, going up against (laughs) an actual clown.
0: (laughs) Well, we talk quite often about how it takes a very specific type of wrestler to have a good match with Fuki and death in her clown gimmick, not as Kaori Oniyama. And Mayu is that... So hopefully that will be oodles of fun. There's not a chance that Mayu is dropping that bell to Fuky Death, though the idea of Fukik and Death rocking up in AEW at Forbidden Door is possibly the most entertaining thought I've ever had. So well, can, can you imagine that? Fuki and death rocking up and challenging someone.
1: Now that's a great segue, sir, because before this start, I told you about this three point plan I have with Mayu Itani going to the Forbidden Door. And it's okay if I throw this out to you there, sir.
0: Please do. Okay,
1: so obviously there's some people that are saying that uh, nobody from Stardom is going to show up at Forbidden Door because there is a Stardom pay per view. However, I think that uh, this would now be the opportunity where Mayu winning the SWA title it is her key to the Forbidden Door, uh, which you know I've heard people say before, which I thought is pretty fun. So okay, so. Here's the deal. So Mayu is going to go over to the, the AEW pay-per-view. She's not going to be on the stardom pay-per-view. So we're all upset. We're hurt. Our heart hurts. We do not have Mayu on this pay-per-view. So now I am going to play the role, Rob Goodwin, of the booking committee of stardom. And you are going to play the role of the biggest stardom slash Mayu Itani fan in the world, which <laughs> I believe that you are. Yeah. So there's three big voids that Mayu, not on that pay-per-view, is going to leave. Number and I have to try to fill them, so I'm going to try to go three for three here. I'm going to try to sell you, sir, three for three on why you should buy this pay per view. Number one, the biggest void that Mayu leaving, Mayu not being on this pay per view, is a match of the year contender, right? We always know that Mayu, when she's on these pay per views, she always has a you know, match of the year contender. So, me as the booking committee, what can I possibly give you to make up for that? So, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to put the red belt. On the line, the World of Stardom Championship, on the line, my champion, Shuri, she's going to defend the belt against Utami. That is going to be my main event. Now, we've seen them have two title matches last year, two of the best matches in all of wrestling. Um, you ha- By the time this pay-per-view rolls around, it'll be six months since we've seen them in the ring the singles match. And this is a completely different dynamic because Shuri is the champion this time, other than, and not Utami. So it changes things a little bit, it makes Utami to be a little bit more of the aggressor. So it's a different dynamic. And then another dynamic on top of that, good sir, is the two title matches that they had last year. Sherry was not the leader of her own faction and neither was Utami. Sherry is now the leader of God's eye. Utami, I believe will win that, uh, that scramble match or whatever they're having. And she will be the new leader of Queens quest. So you kind of throw, you know, some extra uh, toppings onto the, uh, the, the, the cheeseburger there, giving you that match. Now, Mr. Rob Goodwin, Mr. Uh, stardom uh, pay-per-view buyer. was is, is that a good void to fill? Are you happy with that uh, that option that I gave you?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, I'm one for one, folks. Number two, when you do not have Mayu Iwatani on your pay-per-view, you lose star power, arguably the biggest star uh, ever in that company. She has been there since day one. She's not going to be there. How can I fill that void? Oh, yes, we brought back one of the biggest stars we've ever had that was wrestling on a worldwide uh, status for the last three or four years and Kyrie. So I tell you what I'm gonna do. I know Mayu's not there. She's she comes with great star power. He's not gonna be there, but I'm gonna give you Kari versus Tam. Does that help you, consumer sir? Does that help you fill the void of the star power with Mayu Iwatani not being there? Did I go two for two? Yes, you certainly
0: did. You certainly okay. did. Okay.
1: Now here's number three and what I'm doing, I know this is it's, it's an audio podcast, not a visual. I'm taking a drink right now. <laughs> And I'm making a sign of the cross because I know <laughs> this is going to be a surefire home run. If Rob can 100% be 100% honest with me and say that he does not like this, I will shave my head on uh, 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 on uh, on Twitter because I know you're going to like this. So the number three void that you lose with Mayu Iwatani not being on your show slash pay per view is you do not have someone coming to the ring throwing things. Obviously, Mayu comes in; she throws the tennis ball into the crowd. Why we never see the camera pan to the person that catches it, I don't know. Uh, I think that would be fun. Okay, so how am I going to fill this void? This consumer wants to see one of my people, one of my wrestlers, throw something into the crowd. I know what I'm going to do. Here it is, Rob. You sitting down, buddy? Are you, are you listening to that? Are you, this is this is home run of home run. You're going to have Kogama come to the ring in an ice cream truck. <laughs> Hold on, hold on! I'm not done, sir. You're gonna have all the other. You're gonna have all the other members of Stars hanging off the ice cream truck, throwing frozen treats into the crowd. Right? Throwing frozen treats into the crowd. Now
0: that's right. I got you. Right? I'm three for three, right? Absolutely, mate. If you, you I, give I, me that at battle at the top, I'm I'm made. I'm a made man. Now, I'm going to go
1: one step further. Now, maybe it's because I saw Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness twice all within a 24-hour period. Maybe I'm going crazy. But I'm going to give you one better, sir. So, I usually on these pay-per-view shows, we, we try to push somebody in the middle card towards mm-hmm. either the white belt or their red belt. Now, we just talked about how I think that Saida should be there, you know, hopefully sometime soon. Here's how we push Saida to the uh, upper tier of the card. So what you do is you put a plant in the crowd. Now, if you don't know what a plant is, it's somebody that's a worker that's pretending to be a fan. And you have this plant. Maybe it's a gentleman that's training at the New Japan Dojo. And you have him standing on top of a chair trying to catch one of these fudgicals or ice cream sandwiches or whatever it is. a fastball said fudgical to this fan slash plant. He, take, he takes a bump off his chair. And when he gets up, he's all covered in blood. I mean, now she's ready for the main event. You just had to bloody somebody wow. with a fudgicle. <laughs> <Yeah>. Come on.
0: <laughs> I don't know how to follow that, man. I think you've knocked it <laughs> you out of the park. Um, I hope that everyone that's listening to this is giving you a very well-deserved round of applause. Um, I imagine that that is 100% going to happen, uh, beat for beat. And uh, Rossi, I know you listen, so uh, take heed, my friend. Start, uh, start looking for some... Uh, some ice cream trucks. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's bring this episode to a close before Matt comes up with anything else crazy to uh, throw at Nagoya in uh, in June. Um, I just want to show or sort of tell you, sorry, about our Patreon episodes for this month. Um, the first of which will drop on the 11th. Of May, which is the Kagetsu versus Hazuki um, 8th anniversary in Osaka Red Belt match. We are going to be doing a match review of that. That will drop at 6 pm British Standard Time on the 11th of May. Um, we then follow that up on May 25th with the show review Stardom X Stardom 2019. Topped by Utami versus B Priestley for the red belt and Orisa versus Jungle for the white belt. Um, I must apologize for the lateness of the June poll to all our fantastic patrons. It is 100%. My fault. However, I just want to read through the options. Um, we have got on the poll for this time the Stardom 9th Anniversary Show Review, backed by popular demand. A Mayu Iwatani Red Belt retrospective for her second. Reign with the belt. Stardom X Stardom 2018 show review. Uh, Orisa Hoshiki versus Hazuki from Stardom World Big Summer in Tokyo from Orisa's fantastic white belt run. And the winner at the moment, which I did not see coming and is actually brought to us by Darren Chatton on our Patreon, who said he'd love to hear this. A fantasy booking battle between me and Matt to book our ideal Stardom pay-per-view card top to bottom. That is currently winning, Matt.
1: Yeah, you showed that with me uh, this morning, and I was like, yeah, I got the gears turning. And uh, I don't know. You might be in trouble if it's me versus you, considering the fact that what I just booked for, uh, for the June pay-per-view. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got coming on a nice thing.
0: What do you got? <laughs> that, mate, how do I? I mean, short of us doing it on a river and having Kyrie come down in a pirate ship, I can't oh. beat that. Man, I think you just did. Damn it! Uh, but no, speaking of our Patreon, um, I just want to thank everyone who has subscribed to our Patreon for uh, wwwpatreoncom com forward slash the Cast. We've had an influx of people subscribing, and honestly, we can't thank you enough for the support. Um we've got good things coming your way. We've got some video podcasts that are going to be coming courtesy of Brandon Neal, who is gonna be doing the video accompaniments to our audio podcasts our, um our Patreon exclusive audio um, episodes they are going to be going on to the red tier Uh, we've also got a lot of other things coming your way as well uh, I just want to quickly shout out all of our patrons, Joseph Oshia, Rob Jones, Niagara Driver, John Owen, Valkage Bracker, Tom, Ed BC, Brandon Neal, Steve Clark, Emerson Stone, Alex Tremaine, Mike, Jeff Baker, Steve Kaklamanos, Colin Matthew, Eric Sanderval, Ben Grimshaw, Devontae Walker, Glen Lake 8, Darren Chat, and Chris Sansalo Plug Pedro, Andrew Watts, Andy Nudson, and then our newest patrons, Lewis, Douglas Cole, Peter Haas, the Hammerhawk, Steve the Teacher. And Trey, thank you all of you for subscribing to the Patreon. We thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate the support of every single one of you. Um, In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to the people that have given us five-star reviews and have written reviews and things like that we read them all thank you so much it's helped us go up the rankings in on both apple and spotify so keep doing it it's amazing thank you so much um you can talk to us or find us on social media at the stardom cast twitter facebook instagram youtube go and check us out we are all over that. Um, We'll hopefully be back at a regular time on Sunday. We'll be talking the rest of the Golden Week Tour and of course New Blood 2 as well. So keep your eyes open for that. Um, In the meantime, you can talk to me on Twitter at at RealRobGoodwin. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me on
1: Twitter and or the Instagram. Uh, just search Matt Turner OF. And I just got an email that the uh, Dream Match 2 shirts with uh, me and Andy Header versus Thunder Rock have just shipped. So I should be getting those in a few days. I'll put them up on Twitter. And uh, if you guys want one, just uh, send me a DM and uh, I'll shoot one out to you.
0: And I've seen the design. It is absolutely amazing. So uh, definitely try and get your hands on one of them if you can. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening, guys. I will talk to you guys again soon.